Today we celebrate the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. I have to say that's a mouthful. We find this story in the Gospel of Luke alone, yet it remains one of the key stories in the narrative of Jesus' life because, like the story of his birth, it once again sets Jesus up as the Messiah, even at this young age in the presentation, when he's only a month and a half old. And we need a bit of Jewish background about why his parents present Jesus at the temple. Luke alludes to the reasons by saying that they bring him to comply with the law of Moses. And accordingly, according to the Jewish law, every firstborn male was seen as holy, that is, dedicated to the Lord, and his redemption from service to the temple was bought by offering a sacrifice to that temple. And scholars note that in offering a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons, Mary and Joseph give what poor people might give rather than a larger offering, for example, a lamb that people of means may be able to offer. And we see a fuller picture of Jesus' presentation if we examine the law of Moses, to which Luke points. The Torah, that is the first five books of Hebrew scripture, contain laws, really customs, that dictate how mothers and sons become holy. For male babies, they undergo circumcision eight days after birth, and this circumcision served as a sign of the covenant between God and the Jewish people. And circumcision remains an important sign of holiness even today. If a male converts to Judaism and he is not circumcised, he must undergo the rite even if he is an adult. So baby boys become holy through this ritual or rite of circumcision. For mothers, the process of returning to a state of religious holiness involved another ritual as well as the passage of time. Jews saw the new mother as ritually unclean for 40 days after a child's birth, and part of her purification might have included a ritual bath, what Jews call a mikvah. In addition, if we can't count that 41 days, because Mary was unclean for 40 days and couldn't enter the temple until the conclusion of that, if we count back 40 days from today, February the 2nd, we come to December the 24th. And if we understand how Jews count days, goes from sundown one day to sundown the next. And that would make it Christmas. So the counting is accurate. While the presentation, uh, the story of the presentation focuses on the Christ child, there is also a tradition of calling this day the feast of the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we find this in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer and other prior prayer books and it is also reflected in a long-standing church custom. I don't know when it began, but again, in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer that I pulled off my shelf, there is a little service called the Churching of Women. And it is a service during which a woman, having recently given birth, ritually returns to the church. The service says that she is supposed to return at the usual time, but I don't know what that usual time is. But after a period of having given birth, she would return to the church. And like the story of Mary, this return to the church discerns, as I said, she has been absent and now comes to give thanks. The service still exists in our modern Book of Common Prayer, 1979, but it is called the Thanksgiving for the birth or adoption of a child, and it focuses on the entire family and not just the poor woman who gave birth. 
Let's return to the Gospel, though, which focuses not on Mary and her purification, but really on Jesus. After the introduction of the Holy Family, Luke turns our attention to their encounters with two legendary figures, Simeon and Anna. And we are supposed to hear in this story an echo of an earlier story that Luke has just told in the first chapter, or in the second chapter, about the encounter between a very pregnant Mary bearing Jesus and a very pregnant Elizabeth bearing uh, John the Baptist. And the story tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth, John's parents, were people of great holiness. And so we're supposed to be hearing the echo of that story as we think about Simeon and, and I'm not going crazy, I swear I'm not. <laughs> when we hear the story of Simeon and Anna, because as one commentator says, in age, piety, their center, their focus on the temple, their focus on messianic hope, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these are people who are very similar. Simeon and Anna, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Simeon uh, speaks some of the most famous words of the Bible, what we now call the Nunc Dimittis, which is the Latin for the first two words of the prayer. Nunc, now, Dimittis, dismiss. And for centuries, Anglicans have traditionally said or sung this prayer every day at evening prayer. As we find it in our current Book of Common Prayer, it reads this way. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, and you are prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Basically, what Simeon is saying in this prayer is, I can die happy now. And for this reason, clergy also say it at funerals, when the body is born out of the church. So if you come to a funeral, we will go out that door with a casket or uh, cremated remains, and I will be reciting that prayer as we go along. Lord, you now have set your sermon for you. So it's a very important prayer for Anglicans. But Simeon does not stop with this prayer. He offers specific warnings to Mary that Jesus coming into the world be welcomed, but also opposed. He predicts that Jesus will shake up the known world order, that some will rise, perhaps surprisingly, and some will also fall. And people's inner thoughts will again come to light. And last, he turns his attention to Mary herself and talks of her suffering, that metaphorically a sword will pierce her side. And we find this suffering movingly portrayed in Michelangelo's Pieta, that statue that is in St. Peter's in Rome of, of, uh, of Mary cradling the broken body of the crucified Christ in her lap. It's a beautiful depiction of what Simeon predicts. And this suffering of Mary ties her to the childless widow Anna, who is the only woman the gospel calls a prophet. And yet, and this is the, the kicker in it, we never hear Anna speaking directly. Simeon speaks to, to the, in the Bible directly. We never hear Anna say a word. It's all referred to in the, in the third person. Our gospel account ends with the Holy Family's return to Nazareth and a note that Jesus continued to grow spiritually and physically. And after that note, Jesus disappears from the gospel account for 30 years. And yet this gospel account, uh, biblical account of the presentation has given rise to a significant amount of um, both secular and religious popular culture.
based on Simeon's recitation that Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles. This feast has become known as Candlemas. Candle, the mass, literally the mass of candles because today was the day people would bring their candles for the year to church to be blessed. And I found a charming picture of children holding lit candles at the cathedral in Newfoundland in Canada. This picture's from around 1897, 1898. But it's the uh, celebration of candlemas at that time. Children holding lit candles, never a good thing, right? I saw nobody's hair on fire in that picture. In Scotland, after the introduction of gas lighting, rather than bringing candles to school to provide light, which children would do, children would bring money instead. This is just a scam, I think. And whoever brought the most money was crowned the king or queen of candlemas. And he or she had the ability to, to they, were, they reigned for six weeks. And they had the ability to both um, declare one afternoon a week as recess. So they got school off for a day. And that king or queen could pardon other children's punishments. Pretty good. Here's another tradition. According to one strand of thinking, today is the day to take down your Christmas decorations. In fact, the Pope decreed that the crash in St. Peter's Square in Rome would remain up until today. So if you haven't gotten around to taking down your Christmas decorations, you are in good company. But please go home and take them down. I have someone confess to me this morning that uh, they had not taken down the Christmas lights from their house, but promised to do it before the sun went down today. Today is also Groundhog Day in the secular calendar, and this is no coincidence. People believe that the weather on Candlemas predicted the weather for the rest of the winter. A German proverb says that if a badger on Candlemas finds it snowing, that badger will come out. But if that badger finds sunny weather, it will return to its den. Well, what about Puxatani Phil today? He saw his shadow, and so we will have an early spring. If we look even further back, we see that Candlemas is one of three days clustered around it that involve winter and light. Today, uh, yesterday, February the 1st, was the Feast of St. Bride or St. Bridget. It also marked the end of winter, and Britain still used this day to visit ancient wells and springs and leave ribbons hanging on trees nearby, just as their pre-Christian ancestors did. And similarly, they made bonfires and danced to celebrate the coming of the, the light, because St. Bride's Day is halfway between the winter solstice and the vernal equinox. So that's February the 1st. We have the presentation today, February the 2nd. Tomorrow is the Feast of St. Blaise, and Blaise is the patron saint of throats. According to legend, when he was in prison, an old woman brought him candles to guard him against the darkness. And for this reason, candles that have been blessed at Candlemas are held on either side of one's throat as the following prayer is recited. Through the intercession of blessed Blaise, bishop and martyr, may you be delivered from all illness of the throat and any other ailments in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've got some candles. 
Joe is going to be blessing throats after the service is over. So if you, I think we'd require, you need to avail yourself of this. We did it at 8 o'clock, um, so he'll be up at the altar blessing throats if you'd like to take part of this. So when I originally saw, thought about when I originally thought about this, I didn't understand that the candles are unlit. <laughs> like, how are you going to do this with lit candles on my throat? I'm going to burn somebody's hair. So the, the candles are unlit, as the prayer is said. What all this reminds us, St. Bridget, St. Blaise, the presentation, is that we are to be light bearers in the world as well. We are to bring the light of Christ to that broken and hurting world, to bring that light both literally and figuratively at this time when all are seeking light. Amen.